Boots and Backstraps, brought to you by Homes by Shane and produced by Danny Geo Productions. Come on now. We're talking about Boots and Backstraps. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Boots and Backstraps podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Boots and Backstraps. I'm your host, Shane Michael, and I'm joined in studio by my handsome, ever so talented, and uh, of course, contributing... Uh, co-host here tom the antelope slayer cat come on now come on now yeah we had a lot of fun out west long long drive almost got killed on the way home we'll let you tell that story a little later but uh we had a fun time antelope hunting i'm excited we have uh, a great guest tonight and uh what else yeah, well, we, we have a whole episode lined up you to do a recap at me of the like trip. I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> that was kind of strange. I never make that assumption. <laughs> never go down that road. Like I was going to keep talking, and I had something to contribute. Well, I didn't step on your. I didn't want to step on your wiener there while you're talking, so I just let you go. <laughs> yeah, we do have a whole episode lined up, um, which we'll be recording next week, where we'll do a trip recap, and we got lots of fun stories to share about not just that harrowing experience of almost dying on the way home, but. Um, but also all the other stuff that we kind of ran into and dealt with while we were out there. We can give, as you mentioned before, the ranchers a shout out mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, some love their way because they've been so incredibly hospitable and generous to us. And just getting hammered by the drought. Hammered by the drought. Since we've been home, I've been watching the weather. I was watching before and after and after I talked to Claudia, the ranching uh, lady, at the, our friend out west. No rain. Still no rain. Yeah, and even more insulting, it's like they got... 50 miles west of where they are not even 50 got a bunch of rain 50 miles east of them yeah, uh, e- yeah east sorry east. i mean i don't get, i'm sorry west east north it is south, east they're getting uh, rain but that corner of south dakota is not getting anything yeah it's terrible yeah. well as you mentioned we do have a quite colorful guest in studio with us tonight he's uh, one of the most well-respected local singer and song writers he's an incredibly talented musician And I've mentioned to a bunch of people, actually, how much I love his sound. It's very soulful. It's very bluesy. It's very southern rock. I just love everything about what he's doing with his career. He's also an avid hunter, and so he's perfect for what we're doing with this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, help us welcome into studio here Mr. Matt Gronke. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it a lot. (laughs) That's uh, kind words. Thank you. Yeah, of course. (laughs) I'm not underselling you, man. You earned it. Well, you, you're going to have to go back on the avid hunter thing, and we'll touch on that later. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very enthusiastic beginning hunter. Okay. <laughs> you know, before we even get into this. You're a meat um, eater, right? Yes. There we go. <laughs> did you bring a guitar with you? I did. All right. I did bring one with. We'll talk about that later because there's nothing cooler than having a guest perform one of their songs here on our show. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we were... Uh, um, talking about all these different elements that bring in Matt. Yeah. And uh, I know we want to start here with uh, your passion. I mentioned before the iron horse piece of it, the yeah. the riding motorcycles. I'm super excited about that because it's not something that I do, but I know a bunch of people that do ride them. And so uh, if you could speak into that, that'd be great. It, it's a big part of of my, of my life. Um, you know, for a long time, I started in the motorcycle business when I was 20 or 21 maybe 22, somewhere around there, and uh, just kind of got uh, got a whim that I wanted to get into it, and um, 
long story short, got into it, and for uh, for quite a long time, everything I did revolved around it. Um, all of our trips, all of our vacations. Um, when I met my wife, uh, brought her out on my bike a few times, and, and she got hooked. And <laughs> we've had some just amazing adventures over the years. There we go. Matt, when you say you got into it, you had mentioned earlier that you were in sales. So were you in sales in the motorcycle industry? Yeah, that's where I okay. cut my teeth learning how to sell was in the motorcycle industry. Any specific bike? Um, I, I got a job at, uh, at a multi-line dealer that sold all kinds of stuff, the Hondas and Yamahas and BMWs and four-wheelers. They sold everything okay, except for the Harleys. And um, there was a couple of Harleys they took in on trade. And uh, I was lucky to be able to take one for a weekend on my days off. And, and I came back and I kind of figured I didn't really want to sell them other bikes anymore. <laughs> and, and it was funny because now after being in the industry, the ones that we took in were just turds. I mean, just beat the snot and just an awful shape and just a mess. But it was enough to get me to decide I needed to shift gears so to say and uh and i went into work at uh the harley side of things and and got a job with yeah uh, i got a rim shot from the producer yeah, yeah. <laughs> got a job selling and uh just learned everything i could and 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 got into the business side of sales and and dealership how a dealership runs and did that for a long time uh, which dealership were you involved with i worked in elk river for a while oh, yeah. and then i spent uh almost 10 years in delano Okay. And um, and then, towards the end of my career in the in that industry, I decided I was tired of the retail grind, and and went to school to start trying to get a business degree, and, and then got into manufacturing after that, and that's where I'm at now. So. Oh, very cool. Yeah. How do you feel about the like, the new stuff with because uh, like Indian obviously is one of the most revered and respected names in motorcycles. Yeah. And now all, they, all this new stuff, these new Indians that are coming out. How do you feel about, like, the new versus the classics? I think each has their place. Okay. Um, you know, I'm one of my favorite motorcycles I've ever owned was terribly uncomfortable, loud, shook like crazy. <laughs> and it was a special motorcycle to me. But I didn't take that on the trip to Memphis. I right. took the big comfy bike to Memphis that right. had all the GPS and the floating bark lounger. The, yep, the heated <laughs> grips and and the you know Bluetooth so that we could send messages and all that stuff. You know, so I mean, I think everything has its place. We shouldn't like discount it just because it's new and it's not what we're used to. Because the new stuff is pretty amazing too. Yeah, I mean the performance is out of this world on these new machines, but. You know, I'm not really in it for that right now, so that's why I still have my old one. <laughs> Tom, have you seen some of those new bikes for the like he's mentioning the GPS and oh, the yeah. Bluetooth and I mean it's like a floating apartment. I know <laughs> down I, the road. I think it's, the uh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's like a Winnebago on two <laughs> yeah, wheels. <laughs> yeah. What was it, the Honda Golden Eagles and the full fully dressed yeah your Harleys. gold wings yeah gold wings yeah um, I guess Golden Eagle was a, a Jeep. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> and I had one. That's why I said that. But uh, yeah, and I have you know I've owned a couple of bikes in my past. I had a Triumph when I was in high school, 650 Bonneville Triumph, and then I uh, more recently bought a really cool and it was really dressed up nicely uh, with some leather and stuff. I had a Honda, a white Honda, that looked and sounded like a Harley, and mm -hmm. uh, it was really fun, but. 
as I mentioned before, my wife wasn't into it, and she didn't, uh, you know, if I'm going to go anywhere, I want her to go with, and she just didn't really feel comfortable riding on motorcycles, so we, I sold it after a few years, but uh, I have seen, what amazes me is the crotch rockets. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there they go. Yeah. <laughs> They're gone. And, you know, in L.A., you know, you can legally. Lanes, split lanes. Split yeah. lanes, yeah. yeah. You can drive right between cars. and So that prick driver that you're coming up on sees you in the mirror and it goes like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. A lot it's, of good YouTube videos of that not ending well for people. <laughs> oh, are there? <laughs> yeah. It happens more often than you'd think. But uh, So, Matt, what, what bike do you have right now? Uh, we, my, we have a, a 2014 Firefighter Edition Harley-Davidson Limited is what it's called. Uh, Harley made uh, every year makes a handful of special edition bikes for Shriners, firefighters, and peace officers. And uh, the dealer I worked for, we had one on hand. What color is it? Um, I got mine in black because I didn't like the red. <laughs> <laughs> but normally the firefighter bikes are all like fire engine red. Is it the same thing with a red bike as it is with a red car where you're more likely to get pulled over that whole thing? I can't comment on that. I don't. Is it like <laughs> is it like the one on the screen? Yeah, it's it's a lot like that. That's um that's a peace officer one cuz it has a blue stripe, so that's the police version. Oh. But the firefighter one has a gold stripe. Yeah. That's real close to what mine looks like. I got to tell you guys, when when I bought this home, this room we're sitting in, when I first walked in, there was a storage room, and I saw the high ceilings, and I thought, hmm, this would be a good room to put some animals in. But right Yeah, there, three of them sitting at this table right now. Right there, at the end of this table, the guy that owned this house before me, he had an old Harley-Davidson police, uh, Har- well, it was a police Harley-Davidson. I think it was like from the 50s or maybe oh, cool. the 60s. It was really cool. It's yep. one of those big old bucket things. Yeah. The kind that you would see uh, in a funeral procession. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But I I tried finagling uh, him to leave that. But he wouldn't. <laughs> That's probably worth a fortune. Can't, can't imagine why. <laughs> I, I wonder what that, something like that was worth. Is it like this one, Matt? Yeah, that's actually a lot closer to mine. Does it have the full arms so, like, she can rest her arms on either side? Actually, she used to have a cup holder until I broke it. Oh, Matt. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. How did you break the cup holder? Ah, leg coming over, swinging over when I was getting on it and, and uh, accidentally kicked it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't replace it. Then she wouldn't talk to you for a week. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it was. Danny, I'm going to test you, Danny, and see how good you are. See Go if ahead. you can pull up a picture of an old... 50s or 60s Harley Davidson police, police. Uh, what, the, what am I trying to say? Cruiser, motorcycle, no police motorcycle. Cruiser, yeah. Cru- Look up Harley Davidson Panhead Police. Yeah. And that'll probably yeah. get you where you want to be. Should just asked Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what are we searching for? <laughs> Old Panhead. Well, I can't wait till we start talking about your music career, Matt. Well, that's a good segue because a lot of my music. A lot of the stuff that I write on this album and on previous albums with other bands revolves around experiences on the motorcycle, whether it was a trip or something we did, something that happened on the motorcycle. Look at those things. Is that, is that what we're looking at? Something like that? Yeah, something yeah. like that. A big one on top, but I guess it was l- not quite that old. This is the uh, 1950s, but... 
in the probably a Harley, 60s. Harley's got a long history of doing pursuit bikes, sure. stuff like that. So um, it was in the 60s they started putting hard bags and on the, on them when they yeah. came up with a different suspension. I forgot what they called it, dual glide or something like that. I've been out of it for a while, so I'm not quite as well-versed as I used to be on it. But, um, but well, yeah. As we move forward generationally, we get 50s, 60s, and 70s where Little Matt comes into the world, presumably. Yeah. <laughs> I assume you were born in the 70s? Yeah, late 70s, yeah. Okay. I was also 77. Yeah. There you go. TK. On, on probably the best, yeah, day, the best right. day of 1978, I was born. Yeah, that's done. That's ah, <laughs> yes, so, uh, Danny, um, throw that back up, please. There it is, right there. Oh, okay, yeah. That's what he had sitting yep, there in 60s. the shop. Very yeah. cool. That prick wouldn't leave it here. <laughs> <laughs> he left the house. Yeah. <laughs> That's the important stuff. I oh. guess I if I'd had you for a realtor, we could have. Oh, that would have been done. We would have worked that a little bit better, but yeah. get it done. Got you a tank the of gas too. Was, was my realtor. She was wonderful. I don't think she was. Uh, Ask, uh, aggressive as she as aggressive be? yes thank you for that word yeah can't all be superstars tom mary i love you <laughs> all right so anyway matt as we're talking about this move forward in generations little matt's born let's get right into where you start getting passionate about music i always like to start at the beginning yeah. so um our house had a ton of music in it all the time um uh, i had two uncles that were in bands and um my mom and my dad always had music playing. Um, when they split up, it didn't matter which house I was at, there was always music, and it, and there was such a wide variety of it. So there was it was always there whether I liked it or not. Um, I had a guitar that I think one of my uncles gave me, and it was just terrible, and I never learned how to play it because I didn't know what I was doing. We didn't have the Internet. Um I finally got into high school. I want to say it was like 13, maybe 14, and um, hanging out on the nerd wall at a dance. And uh, <laughs> Tom, do you know what the nerd wall is? Never been there. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you all about it. I got all kinds of experience with the nerd wall. No, so um, hanging out over there and sort of talking to this this guy over there, and I had uh, we were listening. The DJ was playing some Van Halen song or something, and. And we got to talking, and I'm like, yeah, I play guitar. And he's like, oh, me too. And he invites me over to his house, and, and it turns out he lives down the road from me. So I uh, hop on my bicycle with this guitar and stuff and go over to his house. And then I had to come clean and tell him that I did not know how to play guitar. And uh, But I have a guitar. But I have a guitar. God dang it, I've had a few too. So he offered <laughs> to teach me, and uh, he started teaching me some chords and stuff. And... Um, and I was getting into it, but it, the guitar was a real detriment to the learning because it was just, it was in really rough shape. It was hard to play. Okay. So my buddy's dad um, talked to my folks and, and, uh, and they ended up um, helping my mom find me a better guitar to learn how to play on. Uh, they basically said, you know, we, we think he can do it, but she doesn't have the right equipment for it. Right. Know? We got to do something if we're going to find out. So, yeah. So we went to Guitar Center and bought a, uh, a heavy metal Stratocaster and it's blue. And um, does it look like this? Is it this one? Nope. That's not that no! one. <laughs> so good. Is though. that yeah. you, Matt? Yeah. That's so that was a couple years later. That's my senior picture. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> that is hilarious, yep. bro. Can we get that on a shirt? <laughs> so when you say that's your senior picture, was that the picture you actually used in your yearbook? No, I wanted to, but they said no. I had to pick something that we I didn't have more the choices you guys did. Yeah, <laughs> so that photo shoot was fun because, um, yeah, so I still got that guitar too. That was the second guitar I got. But anyway, I got the good one, and I kept working on it, and my friend kept teaching me, and I just kind of started trying to learn from whoever I could. So I picked up some stuff from my uncles, and then my uncle's friends from his band. I would try and learn something from him. And so your uncles are guitarists? One of my uncles is a multi-instrumentalist. He played in the Silver Rose Band back in the 70s. I was going to ask you what the name of the bands were. Your uncles were. I remember the Silver Rose Band. Yeah, so my uncle Bill was the singer for Silver Rose for a long time, and... Um, and uh, he doesn't play out anymore, but I learned a lot of stuff from him. And then my other uncle was a drummer, and he played with, uh, like, Sherman Linton for, oh, yeah. for oh, wow. a few years. Yeah. That's a big name. Yeah, so, and I, that was in the 70s, I think, when he was with them. So, um, so that's kind of how I got my start. And then after I got out of high school, you know, I played a little, but not as much. And it wasn't until I got into my late late teens turned 2021 that I started getting back into it again and then when I turned 21 one of the local bands that I used to go sneak into the bars to see and was friends with all of them when I turned 21 then they hired me to play bass for them and I've kind of been doing it ever since now so and that transition between guitar and bass I've heard isn't that tough it depends on what kind of bass player you want to be, I guess. Like at the time, I played my bass like it was just a really big, heavy guitar, <laughs> <laughs> and and it took a long time before I really started trying to differentiate the differences and and the roles each has in in, in music. And, okay, you know, because like some songs call for that, but a lot of times the bass is not for that. You know, you need it to to be the the thing that makes people move, and not the thing that. It's just loud and sounds awesome. <laughs> you know, I'll say as a former live musician myself, it's lost on most people that are not live musicians how critical it is that the bass player and the drummer just get locked oh, in, yeah. oh, like hip mm -hmm. to hip. Yep. You know, it's like everyone wants that bass player to be like flea up on the front of the stage just slapping yep. and doing yep. all kinds of crazy. It's like, no, yep. you need that bass player and drummer to be locked in. Yeah, and the only reason that works for them is because he is still, even though he's doing all that, he's locked in. He's just that talented. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just, they're driving. They're driving the beat. They're driving yep. the song, and that's their job, you know. Yep. So, yep. so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what got me into it. Um, it was all kinds of different music, and at the time when I started, I was a total metalhead, and then now... Um, we all had that phase. <laughs> yeah, and every once in a while, now we go back to it. I'll detune one of the guitars at home and play along to a bunch of Metallica and Pantera and, and see if I still got my chops and realize I don't, and then go back to <laughs> go back to what I play now. <laughs> uh, yeah, not so much as just the slow, easy three chord when no, you're talking about yep. Pantera. Whole different ball game there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, speaking of Metallica, boy, they have had quite the run of bass players. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they lost the first one in the the bus accident. Yeah, Cliff, right? Yeah, and then with Newstead coming on, and he he did a great job for him. Yes, he did. Um, Tru Trujillo, I think, is the last name. Robert of the guy Trujillo. Yeah. yeah. And I honestly don't. I'm not familiar enough with anything they've done since probably uh, Load and Reload. 
so I don't know what anything they've been doing with the new guy. I catch a couple YouTube videos here and there, but I'm just not that interested in what's new these days. So. Yeah, I dropped out at, at about the Black Album. Yeah. I was like, all right, now I'm out. Yeah. And then once they cut all their, I mean, it's I, everyone says this, so they, everyone cut their hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, all right, and now I'm So, done. Matt, to give us the progression of the bands that you have been in. Oh, how much time we got. <laughs> <laughs> um, So the first group, was a cover band called Leash, and that was for a couple of years. Then from there, I went into a band called Shovel Shot, I think it was next. Then that was the one that was up here in this area. I played a lot Pine City and Rush City and stuff up here. Um, then from there, I played bass in Menace, a local hard rock cover band couple years there and then I quit that when I got on the fire department because I knew I had a lot of training to do in a short amount of time and it involved weekends and I said well you don't want that pager going off while you're on stage slapping well away. yeah yeah <laughs> and, and the, the, when you get when we may talk touch on it later but when you first get hired you have to put in like just ridiculous amount of hours in a certain amount of time to get your certifications so that you're actually worth a crap when you're on the fire ground okay Otherwise, you're just standing there, and what good are you, you know? Yeah. So, so they... Um, Go roll the hose, moron. Yeah. <laughs> depending on who you asked on, on our, our team, I might have done 10 years of just standing there looking like a dumbass. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I quit that band, joined the fire department, and then things settled down enough, and then I started playing lead guitar for um, Grind, which is another metal cover band. And then... When I left that, I didn't really do much. I just started doing kind of solo shows and a little bit of playing around here and there. And then um, I helped, um, got hired by uh, Green and Hurst when that band was first getting started. You know J.D. Green. Yeah. Yep. Yep. J.D. Green and Todd Hurst. And Todd's still playing, isn't he? Yep, he's still out. Um, and then uh, uh, Josh Persian was in that band with us as well. Um, he He's still playing a little bit here and there. Uh, we lost our drummer after after me and the drummer had left the band. He the drummer ended up passing away due to some other stuff. But uh, oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's it, it was tough. Um, so then after that, I started my own band and um, called Dirtball Deluxe. <laughs> That's <And> cool. <laughs> it was it was a cool fun fun little brand. But then we found it was a little bit difficult to book any high paying corporate gigs with a name like that. So. <laughs> We ran that for a while, and um, what was the sound? Just out of curiosity, what was the sound for that? The Dirtball Deluxe. Yeah. So I kind of was doing a little bit of the modern country stuff, but I kept squeezing in these, these badass co- uh, classic rock songs in there, and it just slowly started morphing further and further away from the modern country stuff. Um, and and when it was all wrapped up, it was basically just a southern rock band that would play some Foo Fighters once in a while. Okay, you know? gotcha. I mean. I, I had in Dirtball Deluxe, I had my friend Brian, who was the friend from high school that taught me how to play. We got him out of retirement and uh, got him to start playing with us. And, and the drummer I had in Green and Hurst was helping me start Dirtball Deluxe until until he left us. Um, and Brian and I, so that drummer was Brian's cousin. So we'd all known each other since we were kids. And it was a pretty special thing we had going there. Um, after 
we went through all that, Brian and I had a long talk about it. We decided, you know what, let's keep this thing going and see what happens. And so we ended up doing it for a couple more years after that with some with some other new members mm-hmm. and um, did a lot of fun stuff. Released a couple albums, I think three. Wow. We did a acoustic EP that we had to knock out in a hurry because we wanted something to sell at Moondance. Sure. So we threw out like four songs real quick and then... When we went to do the full album, we ended up writing so much and redoing the acoustic EP to full band stuff, so we released a double album. There's like 18 or 19 songs on that one. Who do you think you are, the Beatles? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And then we did another album right at the end of the band and aptly titled the the album The End. So, um, And that was that. Is this you? Yeah, that's that's the old group. Yep. Yeah, you fit right in with us. <laughs> you got the Metallica "Don't Tread on Me" snake there. Yeah, that's yep. awesome. But, but I, that wasn't for Metallica though. That was because of the flag, the Gadsden flag that I put it on there. I was already starting to get fed up with things, even back then. So. Oh yeah. Looks a little similar to uh, not dissimilar to our logo. Yeah, I thought that too when I saw your guys. Is that that that's we're kind of on the same branding there. Yeah. Yeah. Great minds think alike, brother. So. <laughs> When that shut down, I went to doing solo stuff after I took a little bit of a break and, um, you know, bopped around doing some fill-ins and and helping people that needed it and doing some studio work here and there and started writing again. And uh, that's what led to um, a solo EP that I did, which then in turn led to this record. Okay. After the fact, I had enough material to put a record together. And then the solo EP that I did was just an acoustic just me and the guitar there was no band no nothing real raw and it was only like three three regular songs and a christmas song <laughs> what, what was the christmas song? i was just gonna ask what's the christmas song? i did um i don't remember what it's called because it's it, but it's um the one that elvis always played uh, christmas time pretty baby oh, santa claus is uh, santa claus <laughs> coming christmas to town or something like that without you yeah, so that's the Christmas one was only on. I think I we we only put it on the actual purchases. I didn't put it on for streaming. I don't remember how I did that one. I always try to do something a little weird with each one of them, make something harder to get. All right, I'm gonna give you guys another reason to laugh at me because of my age. When I grew up, you know, there was 45s and there was LPs and there were CDs and. There tapes and you skip the eight track era the eight track era what is an ep so i don't know what the definition produced it, it's a short it's not a full mm. album it's just a couple songs i got you but it's longer than a single it's yeah. like a taste yeah. of the album so yeah what does ep stand for i have no idea Danny George. Thank it you. means uh, extended play. It oh, yeah. An EP is longer than a single, but yep. shorter than ah. an album. Yep, that's what it meant. I think you almost said that verbatim before she said it. <laughs> yeah, I might have had it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she got the words well, thank right. Thank you. Yeah. I don't feel so bad. But yeah, so the next one that I'm going to do, I don't touch. know what I'm going to do yet. I might just do a single next time. I'm not feeling real creative these days. so. But this is the one that's available now. Yes. Yes, it is. Um at my website uh, it is available for download and on all major platforms and even some platforms you probably never heard of yeah the crow river rebellion and the album's called welcome back old friend yeah and uh, danny's got your website there that she's scrolling through 
And does Danny have the capability of uh, playing some? Playing he, something. Well, he's got to protect it a little. So you only get like ten or fifteen seconds of each of the songs. So Danny, go back in there if you can, quick. Um, don't kill me. Don't kill me. That one's got his vocal on it. There's a couple of them where it doesn't really get to your vocal yet, Matt. Mm -hmm. So, but don't kill me. He's got that's got not a, vocal. that's not a terrible thing. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> I love your vocals, man. I never wanted to be a singer. Give us a shampoo. Should I do it? Yeah. I don't know if it'll let me. Always do it. And that one's probably less. Don't be so humble about your voice. You have a killer voice. <laughs> well, thank one, you. That one's less representative of like the soul that's in his voice. He's got uh -huh. some like cuts that are just like, oh, just. I'll tell you right off the top of my head, it reminded me of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, wow. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, good stuff. And so this is the project you've got going right now, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you have dates that you're working on for this year? Well, conveniently, on my website, I have a calendar <laughs> that has... Can uh, you pull his tour schedule up there, Dan? Obviously. It's not a tour. Oop, my bad. <laughs> my bad. There we go. I got a couple of venues that I've got some really good relationships with that I oh, like to scram, go but play look at, at where he's going to be this this Saturday. Yeah, so this this Saturday here, by the time you guys see this, it'll be over. This um, is true. I'm going to be at Living Fest. Um, I'm camping all weekend, um, wow. and and I got the opportunity to to help back up uh, Miss Haley James, who's a talented local artist here that's playing on Saturday afternoon. So. Did you see Matt that she just turned eighteen? Yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah, I still she's like still twelve to me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy how fast time is going by because I remember when she first started getting involved in the Midwest Country Music Organization. Um, you know, it just seems like just yesterday and how much she's grown as a performer just in the last couple of years is pretty crazy. Talented kid. Was it two? How long ago did we do the last mix up thing where I ran into you up at was it Roots at the Pub and Grub place? Yeah. Was two and a half years ago. Uh, two years at, ago. At least two and a half. I'd say probably between two and two and a half years ago, we had a, an event up there and and one of the things is we just throw everybody together in different bands and give them three songs. Well, she was the singer for our, our group and just completely blew me away. I mean, just super talented. So I'm excited to play with her. Have you heard of this Saturday. concept? I would love to listen to something if Danny can pull anything up. So what, what he's saying is, is that the, his, the organization he's with, the, what he's on the board of, they do this event. Well, they used to do it every year until COVID. Yeah, it's right. called the, it was called the, the, the Mix-Up. And basically anybody that's a member that wants to get involved in this project is we would all put their names in a hat and put new bands together. So hmm. pick so like guitar everybody. player from this band, drummer sure. from that band, singer yeah. from that band, and then they draw the names out of a hat, and then would assign them a theme. And the first year was like '80s music. 
Oh, that was great. And that was a doghouse. Oh, that, that was so yep, fun. That was a blast. Um, that one was fun. I had um, Devin Worley and Anderson Daniels as my singers in that band. Wow. <laughs> and it was just a powerhouse. We had Bob Knight, me, um, Lance Saxrude on drums, and... Lance is good stuff, too. And, uh, oh, um, I forget the guy that was on the keys. But, yeah, so... With the was du- it Zach? No. Sir Sean? No, it wasn't okay. Zach. He was there, but he was playing with a different group that night. Brian? But it, but anyway, yeah. you know, it wasn't him either. Um, well, anyway, so that's what the event is, is it gets, and we do it on like a Wednesday so that all the musicians can go. Can and, still make money on the weekend. Yeah, and everybody <laughs> just gets together and plays their three songs, and there's prizes, and everybody gets to hang out, and it, 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 it's just an absolute blast. So. Can I just speak Sounds on that fun. for a quick minute? Yeah. yeah. Because, TK, if you'd gotten to see one of these things, you would have been so incredibly impressed at the talent level of musicianship in our local market not only because there's great guitar players and great drummers and great singers and great songwriters and all that stuff, yep. but the fact, like Matt said, where you could just throw a bunch of different musician names from all these different bands in a hat and just like rip names out and make new bands, and they would practice for like five seconds and then perform a song on yeah. stage together, and you'd think they'd been playing together for years. It just sounded so good, every well, one of them. Most wow. of the bands practice one time. Some practice twice. And I mean, that's <laughs> now. <laughs> it, when is this going to happen again? We don't know when we're going to do it again at this point. We're still kind of revisiting. We have limited resources as far as volunteer mm-hmm. organization goes. So we kind of got to pick and choose what we're going to be doing until we get to the level that we've got as much help. So this coming Saturday is PT's deal. Right? Yes. This coming Saturday is Living Fest um, with, uh, with, with that organization. And, and, um, like I said, we're going to be there anyway, just cause we want to support the organization, obviously mental health and suicide and stuff like that's very close to me with my situation with my old drummer and, and other family members too, that we've had. So this was going to be an event we were going to be at regardless. And we got a probably about four or five other campers coming with us. So we're just going to spend the weekend doing this. And then I found out Haley was looking for someone to accompany her and i'm like hey well i'm gonna be there why don't i do it mm-hmm. so yeah so i've been working on getting her set you down. might know each other a little <laughs> yep yep so and haley's a young girl you were talking yeah, about yeah yep yeah so super can talented get, can we get a photo or anything of her on the screen? yeah can you pull it haley james she's probably on youtube or facebook or any of that stuff she had a viral thing earlier this year she got pulled up on stage at country jam with dustin lynch you're kidding oh ryan probably made that happen no. Really? Yeah, no. Because, you know, he and Dustin are like buddies. No, maybe maybe it wasn't. I don't remember who the artist was. I shouldn't say who it was, but okay. it was one of the big guys that was there that night, and she got pulled up there randomly, and, um, yeah, and she crushed it, and the place cool. went nuts. So, yeah, there's a plenty. Of, if you do Haley James, and I'm sure you'll find it somewhere. There that yeah. is. Yeah, Dustin Lynch. Dustin Lynch. Yeah, that's the one. Okay, hope we get audio here. We have a new mixer. Oh, yeah. The yep. audio will be great. We got toys. <laughs> it says right there, 17-year-old Haley James. Yep. Country fast. Yeah, it was pretty funny because when it happened, we saw the clip and I'm like, Dustin Lynch made a budding singer-songwriter's dream when he asked her to join him on stage at Country Fest in Caddick, Wisconsin back in June. Caddick. It went viral <laughs> and we'll show you why. I'm Addison uh, Baker for Taste of Country. Kadot. And what's the best thing you've seen an artist do during a concert? <laughs> Let us know in the comment section below 
And now go on and make sure that notifications button is on so you never miss a beat on what is happening in country music. During the singer's set, he called out to the crowd to see if anyone wanted to join him for his duet Thinking About You. 17-year-old Haley James was in the crowd that night with her family, a festival her parents had been attending every year, but this year was going to be different. During an interview with Taste of Country, James told us all about how she ended up singing with the country star. Because James's parents had attended Country Fest every year, those around them knew the high schooler's singing abilities and began to attract Lynch's attention. Quote, I wasn't paying attention, so I didn't hear him say that. The next second I hear Destin say on stage, they're all pointing at you. Do you want to sing with me? She not only jumped right up on stage, but wowed the crowd with her natural stage presence. They're holding presence. hands. See for yourself. Yeah, she walks them around the stage. After the show, James decided to uh. post the video her family and friends captured from the night to Facebook. It seemed to gain some traction, so she decided uh. to make a TikTok and here's where it went viral. People loved it and were impressed how she handled herself on stage. As of now, James's two TikTok videos from the night have accumulated over 9.3 million views. Holy mo 9.3 million. <laughs> you got to know somebody for you know, all that. I, gotta, I had goosebumps watching that. I, yeah, pretty special. That was special. Her. I couldn't Good imagine. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Do you think anything will uh, come of that? Uh, it's hard to say these days. Yeah. She keeps working hard. You know, sky's and she's the only uh, 18 years old. You want to splash? Yeah, please. I'm still pretty good here. Thank you, sir. Of course, my pleasure. I need a splash. All right. Bring your glass on out here, producer Danny. All right, so um, hey, for River Rebellion, we've got some uh, dates that she showed coming up. Yeah. So you've got some stuff that you're playing. Yep. Did, did you want some easicles in there? Hey, who's running the new board? No one's in, no one's in charge right now. It's <laughs> <No laughs> on automatic pilot. There's no rules. <laughs> we don't need rules. Yeah. There. So, Matt, how did you decide with so many different musical influences growing up what your sound was really going to be? Did it just kind of come out one day and you're like, ah, I like that? Or, like, did you drive yourself in one direction to say, I really like this southern rock, sort of soulful country? It just kind of happened um, on its own over time. I mean, like I said, I tried everything, and and certain things went better for me than others and and some effing hostile that didn't work so good <laughs> no i mean that i i did a lot of that that metal stuff and and was doing a lot of lead work and in and, and that kind of thing and playing fast and all that but it just it wasn't it didn't feel right, right. at the end of the day and as i got older I, it kind of changed too and i don't even remember how it happened but i suddenly got into like really really into the allman brothers like ridiculously mm into Warren Haynes and and Dickie Betts and Dwayne Allman and and, and um, Derek Trucks and stuff like that and that was like the turning point I think because all of a sudden I noticed like my playing style started changing a lot and my writing changed a lot and I started trying to pay attention to like melody and and just different things that never used to hear before and all of a sudden I'm hearing things differently so that that's kind of what happened there I, and it was towards the end of dirtball deluxe that that started happening because i started throwing in 
Almond Brothers tunes into that set. I mean, we would be rocking out and all of a sudden play Melissa instead, you know. Yeah. But we did it our own way. I had a, a double neck with 12 string. We didn't do any acoustic stuff in that band. It was all electric all the time. And um, that's kind of how I got got my my sound, I guess, if, if I was ever going to try and describe it. Um, grab an electric guitar, plug it into a tube amp, and turn it up. Don't have a lot of effects. I don't have a lot of rack systems. I don't use a wireless anymore. I don't, I mean, keep it as simple as possible and just make it happen. So, yeah, when the first time I heard you sing, I was impressed. Um, but I was like, man, this guy sounds a lot like, like you said, Almond Brothers, Skinner, like that whole kind of like genre then. But the more that I listened to it, I was like, you're not that those guys aren't deep or whatever with their music, but I just felt like there was so much more soul coming out of your stuff. Mm. And that's what sort of made me a big fan. I'm like, I just love that when I'm listening to your stuff lyrically that you are, you can just feel the heart coming out of it, man. It's just awesome. Well, songwriting is, is a Avenue for me. Um, and a lot of the stuff we write that I write and I write with other people comes from a place of experiences, like I was saying. Sometimes it's fun experiences, and a lot of times it's not fun experiences, but that's usually how I cope with stuff. I mean, there's stuff on this album here that is very prophetic in some ways because I was going through a rough spot in my life, and I started writing a song about it, and then all of a sudden, six months later, I find out that I've got cancer, and that song suddenly means something totally different, even though it completely makes sense to look at it that way. Your middle name, Nostradamus. <laughs> it's not like, prof but yeah, I mean, it's just it's, it's foreshadowing or something. And I think that's what the neatest thing about all this stuff is, is like these things all mean something to me when I write them. I, I, I've, had, I've written some corny ones and stuff like that that I don't normally care for, but like most of this stuff, there's something behind all of it. Yeah. And what matters isn't really what I put behind it, but what do you get out of it? What does it mean to you? Right. That's that's what's cool about it because it's not set in stone. I could tell everybody what every song is all about, but that's not that important. I think that's where the machine goes wrong, TK. You've talked you've talked especially at length about the Nashville machine. Yeah. Is they forget about that connection he's talking about where when you write the stuff you want to connect with the listener like reach into their soul and rip it out you yeah. know I want them to feel something i guess is 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 kind of the thing um, i just don't know how they lost that why they're doing cookie cutter just pumping out these songs they're generic and money there isn't no so yeah it's obviously yeah. money <laughs> it's the nashville machine and yeah. it's like man how do you forget about Johnny Cash or how do you forget about Willie Nelson or yeah. any of these people on the walls that yeah. have these unique, <laughs> unique to themselves, you know, great, yeah. great classic Funny songs. story, Matt. So we're driving out, out uh, to last week. We're driving out to Northwest South Dakota to hunt antelope. We mentioned that. And the whole way out there, he's got me playing DJ. Where he's like, "Hey, pull this guy up, pull that band up, pull this band up." Oh, it's yeah. a fun way to. It's a really fun way to kill time. And, oh, for sure. And uh, he has, you know, he's he should have seen him. He was squirming in his seat. He was so excited. He pulled up uh, a long time ago. I was at a Lake Geneva Playboy Club. Yeah, there was a Playboy Club in Chicago and Lake Geneva, and they did a lot of interchange. But uh, they had a 
a record label convention there where they were showcasing new artists. Eddie Rabbit was there. Dave Mason was there. Oh, nice. And Dave Mason performed, um, what's the title of the song? I can sing the song from the beginning to the end, but I can't tell you the name. We just disagree. Yep. Uh, yeah. And I heard it for the first time at this, and I heard Eddie Rabbit sing uh, Driving My Life Away for the first time at this Playboy Club in Lake Geneva. I was working with a company that did sound and lights, and we designed dance clubs all over the United States. And we were doing the sound and lights for this, all like Warner Brothers, Electro, Asylum, um, Atlantic Records, all the record labels were there, and they would bring their new, and all the record executives were there. Mm -hmm. And me being young and single and hanging out at a Playboy club. Single like a Pringle. There's a lot of stories about that <laughs> that I don't want to share right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that but, kind of podcast, TK. But, you know, uh, I was going to mention, like to inter interject into your story here, when he was talking about writing music about experiences, I'm like, I wonder what your album would be like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it'd be in the fictional rack <laughs> <laughs> that ain't true yeah it would, um, it would say tvma on it yeah <laughs> concept album i'm sorry that i, I kind of ran on a tangent there but driving back from driving here's to tom here's tom at the at the you know geneva a little shorter hair it's fine it's fine <laughs> turtleneck <laughs> but hanging out at the playboy who was that was seriously that was, that was uh, Hugh Hefner. That was Hugh Hefner. Oh, it was Hugh? That was yeah. him yeah. actually. Hard to tell with a head down. At the Geneva um, Playboy Mansion. Or oh, was it? Yep. Well, that's another story in itself. But what he is alluding to, uh, Shane, it was it's really fun because we have the technology now just to think, God, about all these old great songs, and he's bright enough to just whip it up on his mm -hmm. phone. I, on the other hand, would go, what did you say that name? Those well, I would have a, I'd struggle, but he can pop it up right now. Mm. And I'm thinking, you know, there was a great song that Dave Mason did, and I told him the story about the pillar. All of a sudden, now I'm hearing it on his little boombox yep, there, and I'm yep. like, or the Bluetooth. And the and Bluetooth like, speaker in the truck. So we played that song over and over, and then we would go back. The one time we were coming Some live back, versions, studio oh, yeah, version. Yep. <laughs> and then, like, we were great talking tune. about old <laughs> bands from the Twin Cities, like the Daisy Dillman band. Oh, yeah. And Gypsy, and uh, he, what's his name that played? Molly. For, Molly and the Hayseeds, and Lamont Cranston. I mean, Molly and the Hayseeds and Lamont Cranston had, they each had an album that, as a disc jockey, and uh, being a disc jockey for well over 40 years, they had a good a quality of sound content of music and fidelity that any record i've ever put on my turntables and i don't know why they weren't just national smashes yeah but it's fun to just reminisce and then we start talking about the old band gypsy and we play that big hit of theirs and he says well don't you know that he went on to play in the killer hayseeds and i'm like yeah we had him at the we fest a few times so it's really james walsh jimmy walsh we just it's really a fun way to kill time and uh it's, it, it, what's interesting drive. is how everything is so intertwined even back then oh yeah all the bands kind of knew each other and oh, eventually yeah. ended up working together and it, everybody ends up playing with everybody eventually if you stay in it long enough yep 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 so anyway that was a fun uh and any trips we do in the future you can bet we'll be doing this because it's yeah. really fun it brings back great memories 
It brings up great conversation. Yep. And it makes the miles go by quick. That's the, I, best, that's the best thing about music is that it isn't so much the song itself, but it's the memories of what was happening yeah. while the song was playing. Because we, I mean, I, a lot of my favorite stuff that I like to listen to now is stuff that I hated growing up because <laughs> I heard it so much. Yeah. Gordon Lightfoot and Cat oh. Stevens, nonstop, three oh. hours to Park Rapids. I'd get tired of Cat Stevens after about the second song. He, and But now when I listen to it, it brings me back to driving to the cabin with my dad and my brothers, and that was the only tape that we had in, in the Bronco. So that's what we listened to. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, what was your first either CD, album, tape, yours? Not your parents. What was your first one? My very first CD... Well, I got a whole bunch of tapes once because I signed up for Columbia House when I was like 12. Oh, yeah, we all did that. <laughs> got in a lot of trouble. Um, but my very first CD was The Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails. Huh. And, uh, God, am I old. And then <laughs> I, I think my very first record was Golden Platinum Volume 1 or 2. It had like Pat Benatar on it and Hall and Oates. It was like from the mid 80s. Wow. And that might have been my first record. Daryl Hall is another un unbelievable vocalist. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Fantastic. He used to hang out in the Twin Cities a lot. And he hanged out at Danny Stevens' house. Remember Danny's, remember Danny's Reasons? Danny, mm. Danny's Reasons uh, was a top 40 band. Yeah. I mean, nationally uh, from the 50s and 60s. And Danny Stevens, I can't believe you're both looking at me like, who's that? Danny Stevens was a huge musical influence here in the Twin Cities, and he had a great big house on Lake of the Isles across from where we used to live on Lake of the Isles, and we hung out with him, and Daryl Hall was at his house all the time. If you look at these pictures, you can There's imagine. Danny, yeah, right there. You can imagine why Shane. Danny's right there know, in front. And and uh, Matt don't, don't recognize it. <laughs> well, yeah. Surprise, there are color photos. Can you... Uh, <laughs> Well, there, the, the, do you have a photo of uh, Danny Stevens uh, in a more recent? But that that scene was huge in in the Twin Cities oh, gosh, at yeah. the time. That whole soul, um, pop funk type thing going on. Yeah, Morris Day in the time. Morris Day, yep. um, the Minneapolis genius. With you know, with Pepe and Prince and Andre Simone. That's it. What was Prince? It was. Uh, they always played Bunkers. Mambo's combo. Mambo's combo. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. That was a great act. But, well, it just goes to show that, you know, even though the genre changes, uh, this market in the yeah. Twin Cities for music is Absolutely. just ridiculous. Yeah. Jimmy so, Jam and... Uh, so many good What was his partner, here. Jimmy Jam and who? Terry Lewis. Terry Lewis? Yeah. Well, Jimmy Jam used to come to all the clubs when we were playing. I mean, he was just a... <laughs> kind of a... And I, he'd be the first to admit, he was kind of a geek. Mm -hmm. He was a music geek, and he'd hang out at all the clubs that we were playing, and... He'd hang out at the DJ booth, and then he, all of a sudden he started doing stuff mm -hmm. in his basement. Mm -hmm. And I was in his basement a few times. And I'm sorry, I keep tearing away at this, but well, when I saw it, this. It's yours, so you can do that. When I saw this crow, <laughs> again. You're wrecking it, Tom. <laughs> Here you go, Tom. I need that back. <laughs> I haven't. I still owe for oh that. My <laughs> I'm sure the royalty. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> See, there's a gap between when I knew Danny from when they had the Beatles look to that look right there. Yeah. Um, but he was always just a stud, and uh, everyone in the Twin Cities knew him. But Crow was a big band in the Twin Cities in the 
60s and 70s. And uh, that was another band I had you pull up. They had a song called Cottage Cheese that was a huge hit. <laughs> pull it up, Danny. Cottage Cheese by Crow. They had about four uh, top 40 hits on the nice. Billboard charts. And uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're looking at me like, just shut up and let's talk about Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Matt's going to doze off over there talking about cottage cheese. <laughs> oh, love Danny Stevens and holy crap. I All right, you only get like 10 seconds of this. Oh, that was a great song. <laughs> crow by crow. <laughs> Don't cut away until we hear his voice. Take Candy sweet from my little bag of tricks. Then walk out down the street a while. Follow me through my door. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to play this at my next show, I think. That's yeah. Going, that's going in the set. Matt, have you ever, ever heard that song? Never. You oh. got to be stoned out of your mind to appreciate that music. <laughs> no, you don't. No, I'm well, gonna. I'm gonna I give it. We smoked a little weed. I'm gonna school. give it a little bit uh, more of a thorough listen this weekend. I think. <laughs> they, they had, Do you uh, remember Indigata de Vida? Yeah, That's, it was in that vein. It reminds yeah. me of that. Where it's like you gotta be higher than hell to appreciate that music. <laughs> At least that one had a little bit more catchy tune to it. Well, we're going way back into my early days. So no, we're not. We're here no, to talk no, no, about no. Matt. We we were. We're not. We're done. Neither Matt or I were alive when that song was big. Oh, it was it was good, but you can appreciate the vocals, and you can he was appreciate the music. Well, yeah. I can certainly hear them. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt about it. Of all the songs I've ever heard, that okay, was one I'm of them. I'm done. <laughs> so, uh, so Matt, uh, not that I want to kill the mood, but I alluded to earlier about you and I sort of like duly being on the Survivor Squad. Yeah. If you don't mind. Um, just kind of digging into like how that whole thing came about. Cause I want to, before we go into break, I'd like yeah. to just maybe kind of get the painful part out of the way. So when we come back, maybe we can yeah. get you to bring that six string out and sure. Pluck away for us. So, um, things were, things were getting kind of weird for, for, for me on the professional front and I, and my job and things weren't really working real well. And, and, um, I was getting pretty heavy and wasn't active at all. And I decided I needed to get healthy and uh put in the effort and and started getting into a keto diet and to drop some weight and and i did that and i dropped like 35 pounds 30 35 pounds wow from like labor day to halloween something like that <laughs> what yeah, in two months 35 pounds <laughs> yeah yeah but i went i went in like really really aggressive on that like how bad was your keto flu to begin with i didn't get it I mitigated it with the supplements and stuff. Okay. I think, what is it, magnesium you need a lot of, and then sodium. Because I've heard it can be really bad. Yeah, my wife was doing the same program as I was, and it affected her a lot worse than it affected me. Um, so I lost a bunch of weight, and we were hiking first weekend of October, I suppose. And all of a sudden, um, I realized that, you know, I was was out of breath, and things were getting kind of hard for me, and, and I didn't seem right because I had just lost all this weight and I just had a physical like two weeks before and and something wasn't right so I finally go in 
I had a cough that was just horrendous. My throat was always tickling, so I was coughing, but nothing was ever coming up. Mm. And uh, my wife got me to go to the doctor, to my normal doctor, to see if I had walking pneumonia or something. You know, she wanted me to get some Tylenol, some codeine cough medicine, so I could sleep because I wasn't sleeping. So I went in there and they did an x-ray and they found a tumor in my chest that was just gigantic. Um, I think I sent a picture of... Uh, of Holy crap! So the, the one on the right was when they first found it. That was from December when I finally got treatment. I assume the tumor is the grayish, the top, dark? The top right. So that's yeah. the front of my chest. And then you can see my clavicles, the two white parts, the edge of my shoulder blades there. So that big lumpy thing there is that tumor and it was in between my left lung and my rib cage and it was pushing on my heart and my lung and my esophagus so it was causing the cough and also causing the fatigue what oh. angle is that straight on it's a mirror image but it'd be if you're looking at me with my arms up like so like this okay so um where the, are your lungs behind that That's i got you the, the black stuff there all right um so that's what they found, and immediately they sent me in for further testing, which came out negative. Um, we didn't know why, but it came back, no sign of cancer. So then it's like, okay, well, what do we do with this thing? So they said, you have to, uh, we're going to take it out because it's causing you discomfort. So he says, I'm going to set you up with a thoracic surgeon, um, but don't freak out, but he works for Minnesota Oncology down in, is it Edina? Uh, whatever the main uh, drag is there, right off of 62. France. France. Yeah, that big facility there. Oh, yeah. Francais. Yeah, so <laughs> he's like, don't freak out. It's an oncology office, but we already know it's not cancer. So I went in there for a uh, consult, and, and the guy's like, all right, well, we're going to schedule this for this day, and I want to run a few more tests, though. Because he's sitting there looking at it, and he's like hemming and hawing. And, mm. and I'm like, you need to say something. You have been hemming and hawing for a while. Stop grunting. Yeah. You said that to him? Yeah. Good. And, and he says, well, he says, you're going to make me work hard on this one, aren't you? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you're the expert. <laughs> like, uh, sorry? What kind of question is that? <laughs> yeah. So, so he, um, he's like, I want to run a few more tests, though. But we're going to schedule it anyway. So I did some more tests, and, and he did a, a different type of test because he had seen this before. And it turned out it was a, a germ cell tumor, which was a cancer that's very similar to testicular cancer as far as its behavior goes. Mm -hmm. It's just some people get them either in their pituitary gland or in their chest cavity or in their testicles. So, um, One ball wonder. Yeah, so mine... <laughs> for whatever reason, started in my chest, and um, he called me and he said, okay, well, we're not going to do your surgery as planned because this is what kind of cancer it is. Now I need to see exactly what kind of cancer it is, so I need to do a thorough biopsy. So instead, you're going to come in and we're going to take out a sample and we're going to figure this thing out so we know how to treat it. And uh, so then everything moved really fast after that. Because we had about a month of not knowing, being told, yes, it is cancer. No, it's not cancer, but we don't know what it is. So there's a lot of roller coaster going on leading up to that point. Um, once we knew what we were dealing with, that's when everything kind of 
started falling into place and I was able to start mentally preparing for what was about to happen. Mm -hmm. And, and that's when things started. That's when the clarity started happening for me because the, the worst part about it, the whole thing was the unknowns. And once I didn't have any more unknowns, then I knew that I had to worry about what I could control. And that's all I had to worry about. Everything else didn't matter. And it's tougher because as you start going through that, you can, you have the ability to control less and less. Correct. Like you're just at yep. the mercy of everything. Yep. So you just have to learn to roll with the punches. But that was the key thing is like, I can only worry about what I can control. I need all the energy I have to heal and to beat this. So I can't worry about what ifs. All I can worry about is absolutes that we know for sure. And what's my job now is to be a good patient. Their job is to be a good doctor, good nurse, good wife, good parents, good friends. My job is to be a good patient. And in order to do that, I can't do that if I'm worrying about everything else. Right, so right. so there, was a, there was a real transition there and, and a, a real moment where you just had to really kind of shut yourself down and say, this is it. This is my job now. And that's it. So, so they started me on treatment right away. Um, it consisted of some very, very, very intense chemotherapy for four months. Um, once a month, I would go in on a, we'll call it a Monday, go in on Monday morning, get processed, go to my room, get my first IV of chemo that evening usually. And then I would be on a steady drip of three different chemo drugs for seven days straight. Um, and then the eighth day was a, a flush. And then I Saline. Would, yeah. And then there was another drug because one of my drugs would basically like burn my bladder and stuff if it stayed in too long. So they gave me another one to counteract that right after that one was done or something. Okay. And I can't remember all the names of them um, off the top of my head, but... Um, so I would go home from that, and then I would have approximately three and a half weeks to heal up for the next round. And we did that for four cycles. Um, on that picture that we had up there, on the left side was the tumor after um, the treatment, so right before the resection surgery. And once I was healed up enough, so you can see it shrunk, mm -hmm. but it didn't all come out. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of gross too. I don't have any pictures to share of that for this, but I can show you guys another time if you want. Um, my biopsy was done on my chest and parts of the tumor started getting pushed out of my body while I was <laughs> going through this. So I have like a couple pictures of these things coming out like this long about like this big around and it's literally dead tumor. <laughs> coming out of my chest wow that's <laughs> pretty wild out of your chest yeah. i called the not uh, out of your mouth or your keister no nope, right out of the hole in my chest because oh. I, I had a hole in my chest about like this for the whole time because the chemo would kill all the white blood cells so it would stop healing and then it would open up again hmm. and then as i would heal up it would start to close but then i'd go get another round of chemo so it open up so for the whole time i had to change dressings like three times a day for this big gaping hole in my chest and you could like see inside my chest it was crazy so the one day i take the thing off and that thing's coming out and <laughs> i'm like i look at my wife and she's like what in the hell and i'm like got me <laughs> what do i do with it yeah so i call my doctor 
And they're like, well, just put your bandage back on and you'll be in tomorrow morning for your normal checkup. We'll check it out then. And I'm like, well, can I just grab it and flush it? Take it out of there? <laughs> He's like, no, 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 don't do that. I was like, oh, that makes sense. It could still be stuck to something inside there, you know. So, um, what an awkward situation. <laughs> so, just, so he says, it's, it's like the, I'll take care of it myself. It's the handkerchief <laughs> out of the sleeve. Just keeps going and going and going. Oh. So, so we're kind of going, well, what in the hell? Well, the doctor said, just put the bandage back on. Okay, so I did. And then the next morning when I took it off, um, it had expelled the whole thing out. So I just ziplocked it and brought it with to show it to him and whatever. And they were so nonchalant when I got there and on the phone. And oh, this happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. And as I'm sitting there in the room waiting for the doctor to come in, you know, the nurse comes in and then she comes back with a different nurse and then another one. And my doctor came in and I'm like, you know what? I think you're bullshitting me. I said, I've had so many new faces in here today that I don't think you've seen that before. And he's sitting there. What the hell kind of deal is this? He says, he says, well, we've seen it in other cases, but not a case like yours. He says that it is fairly unique. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, they were just so calm about it. I'm like, why are you keep bringing new people in here to see this if this is normal? Right. So then it happened one other time, but it wasn't nearly as as crazy because I kind of expected it at that point. But um, so yeah, once the stuff was all done and and um. I was healed enough from the chemo to get surgery. Then they uh, they did a, a resection surgery. And typically how they handle these things, since it's in the front, is that they they do a sternotomy and they split your sternum, open your ribcage like mm -hmm. an open heart surgery. Right. Mm -hmm. well, for the way the tumor was, and it was wrapped around my frenetic nerve, which basically controls your diaphragm and all kinds of other things, they didn't want to do it that way. So they went in through my back instead. And so they carved a line out, split, uh, broke one rib, and then split the other two, deflated the lung, and then the surgery was like, I think like six and a half hours or something like that to get, because they had to cut around that nerve and pull the tumor away from it without having, without, without damaging the nerve. So they were nervous about that. I can get in there with a sharp knife and... <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, it's like, I mean, like gut and a deer. Yeah, back when I was a kid, if I had a sliver, get out the knife and take care of it, you know, but yeah, yeah I couldn't reach, so I needed them to help. But, <laughs> um, at, and at the time, I was so weak. I think I put in a picture there, too, right before the surgery of, um, yeah, so I was about 168 pounds there. That's my dog, Chewy, Chewbacca. But, um, so. They did that, and then after the surgery and I got out, they got everything they needed to. They took a big chunk of my lung as well um, because it was connected. It wasn't metastasized, but it was touching. So they wanted a clean margin, so they took a bunch of that too and then um, sewed me back up, and, and then I got pneumonia, and I went home like 10 days later, I think. And then the rest has just been checkups occasionally. Um, I'm on six months now um, in between checkups for probably another year or two yet, I think. How long have you been in remission now? I believe we are at 30 months right now within, like, the last day, so two and a half years. Oh, congratulations, yeah. man. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yep. Good club to be a part of. Yes, it is. It certainly is, and I wish we'd hear more about people that uh, beat that 
horrible disease. That's one of the reasons I don't mind talking about it is because with the, the cancer that I had, there's not a lot of info out there, and you don't normally get as lucky as I did to find it early and, yeah. and to be able to treat it. Normally, by the time you find it, it's already metastasized. And when they first gave it a name, and my wife and I were Googling everything and trying to figure out an answer of what we were going to do because we still didn't know, there wasn't any good news. So I found like a, a support group on Facebook of the exact same cancer and, and have been able to, you know, I shared my entire journey on there and made a lot of friends and a lot of them that were going through the same thing haven't, didn't make it, you know. So I don't mind sharing the story in the hopes that it gets out there so if somebody's doing a Google search sometime, you know, they can find out that it's not just a, it's not an instant death sentence, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Dr. Einhorn out of Indiana University created and discovered this treatment that I was on. And it's worked for a lot of people. It hasn't worked for everybody, but you know that needs to be out there because when I first started talking to my doctor, I told him, I said, hey, I need you to consult Dr. Einhorn on this because he's the expert. And he's like, I already did. And then when Good. he told me that he already checked it out, then I knew I was in good hands because he went right to the expert. You know, I didn't have to tell him who the expert was or anything. I mean, obviously, it's his job. I shouldn't tell him anything, but as... Don't take anything for granted. Yep, and, and, and as far as being an advocate for yourself, I felt that it was my duty to learn as much as I could about it so that I could convey what I wanted and what I needed to know, you know? Yeah. There's so many moving parts with this whole thing. I mean, we could talk for hours about everything that, and you know, you've gone through it, so. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so here we are, and, you know, life is good. Yes, it is. You're here. We're having some whiskey, talking yes, about country music. It doesn't get much better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on that note, we are going to go ahead and uh, take a quick break here, gentlemen. Make sure that the sponsors get their words. We can keep the lights on around here. But, uh, folks, stick around because we will be back momentarily. We can maybe get this uh, this guy over here to sing a little for us. And, of course, on the backside, we'll be talking about some hunting as well because it is, as we like to say, Saturday. Chris, right. Tis <laughs> the season. Everyone thinks that's related to, to Christmas. But, no, it ain't. It's related to hunting season. So That's right. Folks, we'll be right back after the break with more Matt Gronke. Boots and Backstraps is proudly brought to you by Homes by Shane. Make your move with the Homes by Shane team. Commitment to community and unparalleled customer service are the foundation of this REMAX Results referral-based business. Their driven team of experts communicate with their clients every step of the way, ensuring a memorable experience from the first conversation through your closing day. homesbyshane.com let's get you home ladies and gentlemen welcome back from the break as you uh, may or may not know this is the boots and backstraps podcast and i am still here in studio with my dashing co-host tom cat i'm the one with the eye problems <laughs> <laughs> and of course our vip guest mr matt gronk he's still in studio and uh, matt has agreed graciously to uh, pull out the strings and play a little something for us yeah um Tonight I'm going to play an Almond Brothers song. Um, you were asking me about, um, you know, what where I started thinking I was finding my sound and stuff like that. And this is one of the tunes that we started covering w with Dirtball Deluxe, where I really started to feel like this is this is the style of music I want to do. And and 
things it's just when I noticed things were starting to change musically for me so um, so this is uh, <clears throat> this is one that uh, Warren Haynes wrote he plays it with his government mule band and stuff too so Thank you. 
I love that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite songs. It's amazing. She had him play for a half an hour. <laughs> right? <laughs> Gonna need more whiskey. Ah, Ooh. we got plenty of that around. <laughs> yeah, there's a... Well, since we're uh, talking about giving poor Matt's chops and vocals over there a break for just a quick second, mm -hmm. we have the segment that we do on the show every week that... We bring out uh, one of the hundreds of photos that Tom's got oh. of celebrity musicians from over the years. And uh, what we do is you just kind of surprise him with the photo and let him tell a little story about who the musician is. And we'll let you see first here, Matt, who we're working with. Make sure I got the photo right. There we go. Mm -hmm. Tomas. <laughs> Faith Hill. Mrs. Tim McGraw. Mrs. Tim McGraw. I have a wonderful story about Faith Hill. And actually, my wife loves my stories as well. You know, I, I guess 35 years of Faith Hill. I mean, excuse me, <laughs> Faith Hill. Um, 35 years of doing the WeFest, uh, the question I get asked the most is, um, what are this artists like? Or what is that artist like? And tell me a story about so-and-so. Well, Faith Hill was standing on the stage. We had her. She was new. She had the hit, uh, the old... Janis Joplin song. Uh, what was the old Janis Joplin piece song? Take piece, a piece of my heart. Piece of my heart, yeah. Oh, she killed that too. Yeah. And anyway, she was standing there on the stage, so I sidled up alongside of her and just small talking. And I said, by the way, sh uh, Faith, what's this terrible rumor I hear about you? And she just looked at me like, what? And I said, I, I heard a rumor that you're dating Tim McGraw. <laughs> and she said, well, I am dating Tim McGraw, and what's wrong with that? <laughs> I said, I'll tell you what's wrong with that. You never gave me a shot at the title. <laughs> 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 anyway, she laughed, and my wife was there, and she laughed. And she was just as pleasant as any uh, person I've ever met. Just soft, sweet, humble, and over-the-top beautiful. You know, what can you say about Faith Hill? And she did a killer show, and... She wasn't even a headliner at that point, you know. She was just new, and um, she did come back one other time and actually came out on stage and sang one song with Tim McGraw. We had Tim McGraw there probably, I don't know, four times, maybe five. And one time he brought, and one time he brought Faith, and she was sitting on the side of the stage in her sweats because she was hanging out on the bus. Yeah, and she's off the clock. Desperately. Tim was desperately trying to persuade her to come out on stage, and I'm standing right now. She's going, "Ain't happening," and she's smiling. The cameras around her. I'm not coming out there. I've got my sweats on, and he just was trying. She said, "Nope, ain't gonna happen." So anyway, she didn't come out, and uh, she's in, she's in rarefied company in that you've got a lot of well-known female country vocalists over the years, certainly. But there's a small group of them that are more known to have very powerful voices. Yeah. Faith is definitely in that where her chops are crazy. Right. She also has, a, if I'm not mistaken, the saddest Christmas song in the history of Christmas songs from the uh, the Grinch with when Jim Carrey. Didn't she? Oh, do? that's uh, right. Where are, where you, are you Christmas? Christmas? Oh, my yeah. God. That song is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I for uh, totally forgot about that. When I worked in retail, you know, we turn on the Christmas music sometime around 4th of July. And you'd listen. And, yeah. <laughs> and 
that song was You'd on. You'd make it a week and want to stab yourself? <laughs> oh, man, that's every time that song would came on, I'd go into the bathroom and just cry. <laughs> I remember when Christmas I'm kidding. music... It's not that bad. It's, Christmas music and the decorations used to start a week or two after uh, Thanksgiving, or Halloween, rather. Wait, wait a minute, am I right? It's Thanksgiving first and then Halloween, yeah. No, Halloween, then Thanksgiving. Halloween, then... Yeah, anyway... Again, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but uh, <laughs> after you remember when it used to, the Christmas decorations used to come out right after sometimes Thanksgiving. after Thanksgiving. Now it's way before yeah. Thanksgiving. Is your wife crazy about decorating for it, it's Christmas? It's out now. Decorations are out now. Just I've so seen know. a lot, believe it or not. We saw a lot in South Dakota. I did coming back. We do up our house pretty good every Christmas, even if we're not have even if we're not hosting. We we like to put up all the stuff, and um, we've got our little patio frequently seen on my Instagram that in the wintertime I do up the backyard more than the front yard because we spend more time out there. So Sure. Yeah. We yeah, my wife's that. crazy about it. Yeah, we like that kind of, we like that time of year. Me so. too. Me three. All right. We got another one here. Ooh, thunder and lightning. Aha, Chris Cagle. God, what a great guy. You know he uh, Hey y'all, watch this. <laughs> Chris Cagle was just a uh, super, super, and again, something about Daddy's belt. I'm not, that? I'm not familiar with who this guy is. Really? Yeah, I, it's, I, it's not ringing a bell for me. Chris Cagle? Yeah. Um, tell him what was his big hit. I'm just running through the lyrics in my head. I know it, it's so. We would talk about so many artists, and it gets lost in the shuffle. But Chris Cagle. Oh, I recognize the name, but one I of the just girls from the Hogsworth. Would you please tell Chris Cagle that I love him <laughs> and that I would do anything in the world for him? <laughs> and I did. <laughs> I said, "There's a girl that I work with. I want you to know that she loves you and she'd do anything in the world for you." Chicks uh, dig it. I think it's called. Uh, he also had. Didn't he have something to do with? Yeah, uh, chicks 9/11? dig it. That sounds right. No, yeah. Hey, Danny, can you pull that Chris Cagle? Chicks dig it. Yeah. I sang that song a hundred times when I was performing live. I do remember oh, meeting yeah. Chris and uh, Daddy's Belt, Farmer's Gate. Who's hanging that? <laughs> Chris Cagle. Cause chicks dig it. Yeah. Yep. I'm looking at the best of. So it's easy lot. for me to sit here and say, just one of the nicest guys because you know, Matt. Ninety-nine percent of the entertainers that I've met, and it goes all the way back to Gene Watson and. You know, all the way up to the current artists, you know, they're all so dang nice. I can only tell you two or three artists that weren't very nice. And maybe they were just having a bad day. Shmary Schmunderwood. There's a few. Jean Henry. He was a dick. <laughs> anyway. But most of them are so nice, and Chris Cagle was so kind, so obliging, wanted to sign anyone's autograph, meet anyone he wanted to meet. Just a wonderful guy. Did you find it, Danny? Yeah. So, uh, Chicks Dig It, number one. I mean, this is this is just a list on a whatever, but like, just so we know. What kind of gone? Let, let There Be Cowgirls is pretty good, too, actually. Mm -hmm. Got My Country On, I don't remember that one. I do. I remember Got My Country On. What I've done... Beautiful day. I remember that. Hmm. 
That's your homework, Matt. Yep. <laughs> right after I get through the whole crow catalog, I'm going to listen to Chris Cagle. <laughs> give, give us a little sample here, Danny. Oh, which one? Um, let's, let, let's do let, let, let There Be Cowgirls. Chris Cagle is a cool guy, and what a stud. Shane, I have to tell you. Quite the performer. Remember when we were on the boat with, uh, who were we on the boat with on St. Croix? <sighs> what was his green? name? Green? No. Wasn't it something green? <laughs> well, anyway, my niece out in uh, Carolina sent me text after text and photo after photo of the same guy we were uh, visiting with with uh, K-102, and she was like, I just love him. I want to kiss him. And she's <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry. I can't remember. Do you remember his name, Lynn Kitty? It's Mike something, isn't it? Mike Green? I think it is Mike Green. Michael Ray. Michael Ray. Mm. He's a Canadian guy, right? Yeah. He no. has it. Was He's he from Florida. Oh. Oh, he is? Oh, that's yeah. right. He is from Florida. You know what? Michael Ray played, I think he played Moondance one year when I was up there. He's fairly new. Yeah. They were showcasing him on the St. Croix, uh, you know, the K-102 deal. Great and voice. I'm telling you, that guy is amazing. Yeah. He has an amazing voice, and his songs, his songs were so cool and considerably uh, not real old school, but good country music hmm, I'm like you don't a, hear anymore. I'm thinking of a different guy then. Yeah. It's easy. There's so many artists, and they interchange and they interwind, and get, we, it's easy to get confused, especially at my age. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. So let's. I want to talk about. Um, speaking of being confused, <laughs> I want to talk about your inclusion with Midwest Country Music Organization. How that whole thing come about? Because, you know, back when you were recovering, going through treatment, and then yeah. you know trying to heal and all that sort of thing, they were just starting to take off. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Matt comes trolling along and so PT goes, I'll take that. Thank you. Put that <laughs> in the shopping cart. <laughs> so um, PT reached out to me early on when they were just getting the thing off, off the ground. And, and I signed up right away because I, I believed in what they were trying to put together. As a member, right? As a member, yeah. So what charter member group or whatever, they had some deal going. And so I signed up for that right away and then um, was just kind of kind of involved, not not real involved um and was just getting ready to start trying to do more things and then ran into the getting sick and wasn't able to really participate in anything um they were kind enough to have me be a part of the um the first annual award show where i got to um, present remotely um i think it was songwriter of the year or something like that and um, do you remember who it was I don't remember who it was that year because um, I, I only recorded like the introduction thing and then somebody else made the announcement of the winner. Oh, okay. Cause, gotcha. Yeah, because I did that ahead of time and sent it in. Um, and it sucked because like I wanted to like be there so bad, but I had like two white blood cells. <laughs> 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 and my wife's like, you're not going. <laughs> right. I'm like, okay. I understand. I'll stay home. Right. <laughs> Survival. Yeah, right. Um, 
so then when when I started feeling better and getting more active, I I hadn't really made a decision to make a return to um to music and, and to performing again, because um, at the time I with all the nerve damage, I wasn't playing very well and, and just things weren't going good. I couldn't sing and, and, uh, I didn't know what my future was going to be with music, but I knew I still wanted to be involved. So I started, you know, reaching out again and, and we talked about some stuff and, and I started volunteering on some projects and stuff. And, um, and then that led to, to being asked to join the board later on, um, after a while. And, and I think that's been, we're coming up on two years pretty soon now. And what's your role then with Midwest CMO? So I'm, I work on the membership side of things. A membership director, I think, is what a title is. And, and I, my job and, and what I try to do is, is increase the value add and then be a liaison to the organization for the members. So, like, anybody that signs up gets an email from me right away. I introduce myself, let them know who I am, how they can get a hold of me, tell them, you know, these things are going to be important right away as a member so you can realize all the stuff that's going on. This is how to get into this. This is how to get into that. And then um, that's primarily, like, my gig with the group is just to make sure the members are getting everything answered that they need to. Um, on a secondary, it's the back-end stuff. Um, make coming up with new value adds that we can bring, organizing the website, um, creating new features that are going to benefit all the members, helping us grow, um, working with uh, lining up the music for the syndicated radio show that we started. Um, there, so there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And earlier, I don't know if it was, if we when I mentioned, you know, talking about the bandwidth of the org as a volunteer organization. So there's a lot of different things that I can be working on at the same time. But being that we're all volunteers, you know, kind of got to pick and choose what's the most important thing for me to work on right now. Mm -hmm. that's going to have the biggest impact for the membership in the organization. It's so. hard to keep yourself grounded because you want to think three, four, five steps ahead. Absolutely. I mean, the sky's the limit. We saw, you know, what can be accomplished by getting together and working together and, and, and getting this group together that we've got of all these talented, it's not just artists, it's an, it's an industry-wide thing. We've got members that are on the stage side. We've got members that are on recording, uh, marketing. Um, I mean, there's venues that are interested in working with us and stuff too. So it, it's just anything that has anything to do with country music in the Midwest can be part of this thing. And, and, I always try to convince, you know, tell people that you know, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. If you're just going to join it and think that, you know, everything's just going to happen, well, that's not how this works. You do have to put in work, and along with putting in the work, you're going to network, and you're going to find out ways that you can help lift everybody else at the same time with something you know that maybe they don't, you know. So You know, it's interesting you think about, um, to use an analogy that, that maybe you'll relate to a sales position, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you can take a job at a car dealership where you fill out your forms and you fill out your W-2 and you get a name badge and then you, they assign you a desk and you got business cards. But if you don't get your ass out there in that lot and start talking to people, you're not going to sell any cars. Nope. It's the yep. same thing with, with Midwest CMO is people can sign up and now they're big, big of a part of this bigger organism for Midwest country music. Mm -hmm. But unless you're promoting your 
like sharing your music and sharing your events and communicating with other other artists and communicating with other venues and like networking and going to the yeah. you know going to the the events and stuff that are available whether it's singer songwriter stuff or whatever um, you know, you're not going to see the result you want. Well, it's interesting that you brought that up, and, and, and what you said is really important for a certain portion of our group. And, and that's one of the things that I try to have discussions about with people is you need to define your goals. If you're going to be in this industry, what, wh where do you need to be to consider yourself successful? Not everybody wants to do all that stuff, but they still want to be involved. Right. So, you know, what's your definition of success first and then work backwards from that? How do I get to that? So like me, I'm successful in, in my own mind. I play gigs that I want to play for people that want to hear me. And I have relationships built with venues that I like and people that I care about. So I've got places I can play. And I'm, you know, that's that's awesome. I couldn't even imagine being in the position I'm in now when I was 13, you know, right. because so how do you get to where you want to be? Okay. You, well, I you don't even, a, when you were 13, you didn't have a t-shirt with sleeves on it. <laughs> well, poor family. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, is you get out of it what you want to put into it, but in order to find success, you have to define success. And, and, and if not, you know, if all you want to do is just meet other musicians that's easy. If you want to get gigs at certain clubs, that's, you know, you, it's doable. If you want to be a stadium filling superstar, well, you've got a lot of work in front of you mm -hmm. to get there. And then you better be doing all of the other things that come along with the business to get there because I mean, that's, that's super hard, but there's a definitely like a divide when it comes to those people that like just playing a few house gigs mm -hmm. and just love the music and like to write songs and maybe they like, you know, let other artists sing the songs or whatever that, that side of it yeah. versus those people like Erin Grand, who's in Nashville and grinding every day, mm -hmm. you know, to get her brand and her music and stuff in front of as many people as she can. Yeah. And she's out there doing it and getting it she done. Is. And so that's the, that's we're going to have her on this podcast, by the way, in like November. Nice. Very cool. She's been she's come a long ways in the short amount of time she's been on the scene as well. Amazing, um, talented girl. Yeah, super talented. Her um, "Better with Wine" song is a banger. Yeah, <laughs> that thing turned out really good. My so. wife is better with wine. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the other. Is it thing. also a banger? <laughs> <laughs> I'll drink to that. Well, Tom, <laughs> hanger and banger. Come on now. So the um. The, the line and the different types of people, too. I mean, you've got artists and you've got entertainers. You've got people that are in cover bands, and that's what they want to do, and they don't want to be artists. They want to be entertainers. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different facets and a lot of different places that people can live within that organization. You just have to figure out what you want and how, to, how best to get there, and that's the whole point of the group is how can we help you. You know, it's interesting <laughs> you say that because I've mentioned a few times on this podcast and we've had artists in because I've been plugged into the local music scene forever, you know, since the early 90s. So I know a lot of these guys forever, like Erica Hansen, I've known for 15 years and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Actually, Erica and I were in a band together mm. where we were the leads. She was the female lead and I was the male lead. And I'm like, look, I'm, I don't have to be humble or whatever to, or shy about saying I can't sing to save my life. I can't sing. I was 
entertaining. I could own the room. I could mm-hmm. cap- captivate the audience with my stage presence mm-hmm. and then defer to the talent of the band behind me, you know, and, and kind of make it work. Yeah. And it just got to a point where there was so much talent in the band that I was clearly holding everybody back. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you, you know, I can be the dancing chicken for only so long. Yeah. And it's like, okay, now it's time to do an upgrade there. But um, y- you do kind of have to like decide, like you said, if you're going to be, an originals artist and trying to like get your music out there and you want to make it where people are buying your albums and things like that. That's a whole completely different fork in the road. Yep. It's an entirely different business and how you get there is an entirely different way than if you're putting together a tribute act. Right. I mean, it's, it's the marketing, the practices, the musicians you need to hire, everything is different. So you just make money both ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you just need to make sure you have a clear understanding of what are your goals. Because otherwise, you're just going to spin your wheels and burn yourself out. It's like TK and I, like we both figured out early in our careers, we're way better at announcing the artists than being the artists. Right. <laughs> I never had any aspiration of being a, a celebrity or a, a singer. My father was a singer. My uncle was a very famous singer. Um, I just kind of uh, fell into the MC thing, and it expanded from there, and um, I have a guitar, and I had a beautiful guitar, and I just, for the life of me, could not. I didn't have the discipline to practice, and I. It takes a long time to get any yeah. good at it. That first year is brutal. When so I was I, a kid, I remember my mom yelling downstairs, "Can't you learn something else?" Because it was the <laughs> smoke same. on the water. <laughs> oh no! It was the beginning of Hell's Bells. <laughs> oh, that's a great song. Though. Over and over and over again. <laughs> So anyway, my MC, ACDC, career, right? my MC career just took me where it took me, and uh, I don't look back. I mean, being an artist and being a celebrity and being a famous singer is really cool. But I, I think I had a maybe uh, a little bit better job, if you will, because I got to meet all those people, and I got to introduce them, and I got to hang out with them. I just wasn't one entity of that show. I got to be there the whole day long, and... Mm-hmm. So it was interacting with those really fun and cool and talented people. So I don't know. It's a lot of moving parts to the industry. Yeah. It's just a matter of finding what's your niche in it. Yep. Yep. You know, what do you, what are you good at it and what do you love? Right. Right. And speaking about love, we're coming into the uh, little bit more brisk season. Leaves are changing colors. They're and dropping we're today. Getting to a point where we get to do something that we love, gentlemen. Yes. And that's knocking down animals and scarfing them up. Beauty up. Hopefully. We Are had you, uh, Shane on a bear stand last night. Uh, Monday night. Well, last night. What it night? all blends together. It, I know. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was pretty cool. We're, a friend of mine has a place up on the Knife River north of Mora and just the most beautiful setting. We heard wolves, mm-hmm. saw raccoons. Saw a, a bunch of deer. A b- bunch of deer. Had a doe walk right up to the stand, basically. No kidding, huh? And had this fat little bear come uh, sniffing around the bait, coming in and out a half a dozen times. Just, I mean, he was a small bear. I never reached fat. for the gun, for the record, since this yeah. is being recorded, because he was just too little and adorable. I mean, he was, you say little for a bear. Yeah. He's probably 100 pounds. Yeah. But, uh, you know, certainly not something yeah, that you'd want. Yeah, he was probably around yeah. 100 pounds, with a little fat little bugger. <laughs> he was, he was adorable. we had about a dozen turkeys fly up <laughs> little into boo-boo. the trees. Little boo-boo. Yeah. <laughs> we had about a dozen turkeys fly up into the trees behind us. I mean, the wildlife was everywhere, and it was a beautiful night. It was. Half moon, and 
Great company. Jeez, we're just uh, we and neither one of us. You know, there's so many things. If you're an archer, especially, your release, yeah, you know, your range finder, binoculars, this, that, that. Well, we had all of our stuff. I mean, I wasn't. I was just in the stand with Shane. He had the license. I did. But do you think either one of us remembered to bring our phones so we could uh, videotape that? Oh wow! That little bear. Neither one of us brought our phones, and I always bring my phone into yeah. the stand. And we're like thirty-five yards away, so we're yeah. we're really close. Yeah. And yeah. both of us left our phones in his um in his van. I'm just like, how did we both forget our phones? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Especially I, me, me, I never yeah. forget my phone. For yeah. me, it's acceptable because I forget something all the time. Yeah. But uh, I was like, Danny's going to kick my ass. And she realizes that we got all this wildlife around us and I didn't bring my phone. Yeah, yeah but you got to take it in and not oh, be yeah. interrupted or bothered by anything else. Oh, it's incredible. So You're amazing. absolutely right. And that's exactly why I'm not real concerned about the pro cams or yeah. uh, having my phone with me. I like being out there and being blessed by all of God's creatures. And <laughs> and we saw a lot of them last that's night. That's awesome. A couple quite a few ducks. Quite a few trout in the river too that would get hung up in like shallows hmm. and then to get through it yeah super cool he That's kept looking awesome. at me like what is that? i'm like it's another another fish <laughs> so you're yeah. gonna get in a stand this year i am um so last year i'm, I'm really green to all this stuff but i'm diving in head first and uh last, the only way to do it yeah last year i i was healthy enough to go out and do it so i said i'm gonna go and my uncle and my cousins took me with them up to some state land for rifle season last year and um you know i didn't get nothing but i got to experience scouting and picking a place and and then after a couple days i wasn't seeing anything there so i on my own moved and did some looking around and said okay i, I think this is where i want to be and they said okay go do that and then the, sure enough that night i saw a bunch of them and cool you know i, I assume you're deer hunting yep yep i got whereabouts in minnesota I was up in some state land about an hour north of Thief River Falls last year. So, like, Canada? <laughs> Basically, yeah. An hour north of Thief yeah. is Canada. Because we, we hunt just north of Thief River Falls. I forget what the preserve is up there, but... Um, it's Agassiz uh, Wildlife Management. Yeah. Uh, Agassiz is a huge, huge uh, wildlife management. Uh, we've seen... Back in the 80s, we used to see a lot of moose in there. And, okay. But that's a cool area. And welcome to the neighborhood. That's where I've been hunting for four, over 40 years. Well, I'm not going back there this year. <laughs> oh. There's a lot of deer up there. Yeah. There, the, last year was a bad year. The, the whole group, we didn't come home with much. Um, a lot I, of wolves up there now. Yeah. And that, I heard them. And that was really neat, too. I, I was disappointed that I didn't get one. Um, I had one. I lined up on it. I was unfamiliar with my gun that I was using. It had two-stage safety. I only had one of them disengaged, so oh. I click it went, and then off it ran. And But I was hooked right after that. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing oh. this for the rest of my life. And The uh, camaraderie, the it was so everything. Fun. It was the, the long drive home with no meat was tough. Yeah. But... You know, I've had friends that hooked us up that had better year than I did, so we were able to get some get some back straps and stuff. And was that your first bowl of tag soup? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I enjoyed it enough, and I got my wife to try, you know, back straps and venison stuff, and she likes it, so she says you should hunt more. I said okay. 
going to argue with you. <laughs> you know, what you do is you get your phone out and you record her saying that on video and audio. No, she's, she's super supportive of it because she, she likes when I cook and when I grill and stuff. And, and she likes the, the way that I had prepared it. So Good. I was going to go she to that too, Matt. What's that? The fact that you are part of the smoking community oh, yeah. as well. <laughs> I love seeing because he's on a social media smoking really? meat with a smoker at home too. Yeah, I, I got all kinds of Instagram, a lot of, lot of big green egg action. But uh, so this year I, I'm going to archery hunt too. Good. And um, unfortunately I'm so tied up with stuff going on. I won't be able to get out for two weeks yet. But um, kind of a bow have you got? Uh, a long time ago I bought a bear encounter. Okay. From a customer at the Harley shop, and it sat forever, and I never got it set up. And then after I got better, um, I got it set up for my draw, but it was still too heavy. I couldn't get it get it to to the release point. Is that what mm-hmm. they call it? Get back in the wall. Yep. Yeah. So um, one of my good friends, avid archery guy, helped helped me out and showed me how to dial it down, and we made it very very easy just to get me shooting again. Now, yeah, only got to be 40 pounds or whatever. To, yeah, so now uh, I'm at, I took it up to Archery Country and Rogers. Yeah. And um, they. Good operation. Yeah, they've been super helpful. I mean, anything I didn't learn from my buddies, I picked up from those guys with helping me get set up and outfitted yep. for what I need. So I got a bear encounter and uh, we're at 55 pounds. And um, they set me up with some nice arrows and some broadheads. And I'm not doing anything fancy this year, just regular old style broadheads nothing mm-hmm. that expands or any of that stuff yet but that's quite the rabbit hole to go on to it kill a lot uh, of animals sure looks like fixed blade. well i think they did it for 300 years without mechanical yeah. blades so i figured I'll, I'll try it this year that way and see what happens and if i you know i've invested enough already i don't need to spend any more money this year for my first time so right. got a little stand set up and some cams out and we're we're seeing some activity and and then um rifle season i'm going to join my brother and my nephew up on his property up by dl oh there you go so, you know that area there. dl vaguely heard yeah. of it <laughs> yeah i got family up there over by holly holly oh yeah. yeah yeah we try to get up there all numerous times a year yeah yeah i love, I love it. that I lo- country it's so nice you know if you get south of dl and a little bit west perm around high perm and no that's east but if you get around Holly and you get south of uh, Highway 10, mm-hmm. it gets the country gets so hilly and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love that country. We take the there. motorcycle up there once in a while, and yeah, out by where all them windmills and stuff are, is it, it gets down to Pelican Rapids. There's right. a nice. It's not a parkway. It's a, a scenic byway or something right, like right. that. Glacial Ridge, something or other. Pembina Ridge. Yeah, so we've run that quite a few times with yeah. the motorcycles. It's really pretty up there. Pembina Ridge runs literally through some of the property that we hunt. The Pembida Ridge, was it's a trail that went from Winnipeg to St. Paul. Hmm. And most of that road is still there. Huh. Sometimes it runs into a farm here and there and you gotta do a little detour, but the Pembida Ridge is a historical, you know, they took that, that Pembida Trail from Winnipeg to St. Paul back and forth. So there's a little tidbit. <laughs> Shane's looking at me like, and what else? And that's <laughs> it. <laughs> my wife, I, I end stories like that at home. My wife's like, that's it? Yeah. Like, wait, yeah, that's it. Waiting for the... Uh, nope, that was the story. Climactic if anyone's scene, listening from the thief area or Winnipeg <laughs> or anyone, 
you know, that's a, that's a famous trail. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I'll share that with my nephews when I go up again. Yeah, we, we spend a lot of time up that way, but yeah, so for hunting season this year, I'm just pumped. I, I got hooked last year. Um, I put together a, a, a deer gun of my own this year, so I'm no excuses this time. And uh, we'll see if we can't get some meat in the freezer. Yeah, Single sure. stage safety on that one? There ain't no safety on it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Just pull the hammer back and let her fly. Yeah. Grip no, it and rip it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Well, boys, we are up against the clock here. As much fun as this has been, because I am having a blast. Yeah, this has been fun, guys. Just talking about all kinds of fun stuff and uh, letting the rabbit holes go where they go. It's one of the things I love about this is it's uh, Alice in Wonderland. You know, wherever the hole goes, it goes. Well, he brought up the rabbit hole of archery, and uh, that's a huge rabbit hole that we could talk about for hours and hours. But we're out of time. Well, Matt, we hope that you'll come back. Yeah, you say when. We'd love to have you back again, and uh, oh. we can do a recap of this year's hunting season. Yeah, let's let's try to get together after that's all over, and we'll see if I got anything this time. Got some you pictures will. or something. You yeah. will. Oh, perseverance and patience. I have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, folks, thanks for joining us for another week of Boots and Backstraps. Uh, if you've got questions, comments, or snide remarks, you can send those to Boots and Backstraps podcast at gmail dot com. Don't forget to go to our link tree, which is the l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e um backslash boots and backstraps so it's link t-r dot e-e backslash boots and backstraps and you'll see all the different places that you can find us the youtube spotify um apple play google um audible all the different places whether it's video or audio you have both so you can listen to it while you're driving in the car while you're hanging out at work whatever you need to do Make sure you give us a like, subscribe, and share. Leave comments for us to help us beat those nasty big tech algorithms. We appreciate it very much. And uh, TK, let's bring you this know, plane I in for a landing. My wife uh, closed the show last week and she killed uh, it. Yeah, she killed it. It was so much fun. Uh, they did the girls' night out last week, and it was all about the women. Can we give them some credit for that? Because that was so cool. It was so cool. <laughs> I laughed. And they were all wearing uh, some of my camo and my, some of my hunting vests. And they were pulling out turkey calls. And Lynn was showing them how to use some of them. And she closed with the same thing that I like to close with. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, whether you're belting out your favorite country song or out there pursuing your favorite game animal, I encourage you to use that same passion to pursue the Lord. He will teach you to shoot straight. So thank you for joining us this week. And we look forward to seeing you next week. On his own, looking for backstraps way deep in the woods, tracking in a swamp to a hayfield under the harvest moon. When the tags are filled, it's time to switch up our boots. Head down to the honky tonk, get us a swing dance or two. We're talking about boots and backstraps. <laughs>